I feel like we should have found something that was more Lord of the Ringsy for this show. <laughs> we, so, I said, say that every time, and we never <laughs> do anything about it. You wanted something energetic for the show, and now we're stuck with that music forever. I don't know. But, that might be just like traditional. Like that's what the music that the dwarves play in the mountain actually sounds like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I could hear that. Just it's rock. It makes yeah. sense. We're playing yeah. rock music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're off to a great start. Uh, hey everyone, <laughs> and welcome back to our final episode of Explain It to Me for The Rings of Power Season One, Episode Eight. This uh, was a short-lived had... after show. Yeah. Well, we we just didn't have time. We, we couldn't make it work. So hopefully in season two, all of our schedules work out a lot better and there won't be eight other shows happening at the same time. Uh, but I, I think they said they were about to start filming season two. So hopefully it won't be too long of a wait. Yeah, hopefully. I, I would assume they would try to get it out like yearly. I know Andor, its second season is about to start filming in November but it probably won't come out until like 2024 at the earliest. So yeah. And it's anybody's guess with Lord of the Rings. Cause they, they're spending so much on every episode. Is it like, is there that much more work to do or is the amount of money they're spending mean that it's going to get done quick? Who knows? Yeah. And, and I'm sure they have a lot of uh, post-production to get through. So, uh, but, but let's talk about this actual episode and not what's coming in a year or two. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Cause a lot happened. I, I think we should probably start with the biggest reveal uh, the thing I was most excited to see, uh, and Ashton, I don't know if you're even going to know what this is because it's a pretty deep cut. But uh, <laughs> I, that that spear is really important. I I don't know if you know that it's called Aglos. Aglos. <laughs> it's Gilgalad's spear, Aglos, which means icicle in <laughs> Elven, basically. I genuinely got excited when I saw him holding it. For yeah, uh, people who don't. Well, no, uh, when, we, when you saw Ashton. it, when you saw it, you were like, oh, my God, Ashton's going to freak out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Aglos is Ashton's glup shit uh, <laughs> to put it into Star Wars terms. I think your favorite little minor thing in Lord of the Rings might be Gilgalad's spear. Yeah, that's like the thing that I've used in the past to like of just some dumb little like very, very specific niche trivia that I know have like been able to pull out about Lord of the Rings to make people just go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I genuinely got excited for you. Were you excited to see Aglos? Yeah. So it's actually in the show. So hopefully we'll get to see him use it at some point too. Well, it, it's briefly in the, the prologue for Lord of the Rings as well. So I assume they would try to keep that consistent. We'll see him probably kill some works at some point with it. But probably, so- yeah. What is it? Why is it cool and special? It's a it's just a spear that Gilgalad uses and it has a, a cool name. Look at it, Molly. Look it how cool it cool. is. It does um, look very cool. He he, you know, takes it to the, you know, the battle of the, the last alliance and all of that and he uses it to fight against Sauron and it's just a cool weapon. It's basically like an elven version of Narsil sort of as far as famous weapons go. Mm. What happened to it? Is it still around? Uh, I don't think it was actually recovered after the last alliance, but I oh, that sucks. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that there is any information about what happens to it. <clears throat> okay. Well, they we originally all... in in the movies they originally had a storyboard for more detail around the fight between Gilgalad and Sauron and Elendil, and in that one, Sauron like picks up Gilgalad by his face basically, and then makes him burst into flame. I remember he really, that. really hated Gilgalad. <laughs> wow, 
That's like a Mortal Kombat final final yeah. move. Yeah. yeah. It is something I've always loved about the Lord of the Rings films is that they put so much detail. I think they just filmed so much and didn't know what was going to make it or not. But the fact that like, yeah, Gilgalad is in it. And now that we get to kind of see his story more uh, as someone who didn't know it nearly as well, uh, I'm really enjoying that aspect of the series. But we we all agree that Eglos was the coolest thing in the episode, but <laughs> everyone else here probably wants us to talk about uh, Sauron. So <laughs> that we we did finally get the reveal, uh, but I thought they did a good job with it because even down to the moment, I was like, oh, maybe the stranger is Sauron. I, I They kind of tricked me with the whoever the acolyte people were. So yeah, th- did it work for you? Yeah, I mean, I, um, when I was watching the episode when uh, when it first started, um, and the, they had the um, like the acolyte cultist people find the stranger and be like, you know, we've been searching for you, Lord Sauron. I was like, I was right, you know, because I was still thinking that that's who it was, you know. And then about halfway through, I was like, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought they did a good job with that bait and switch because I was, you know, hoping that that was a wizard, but I was not convinced the whole time. They did enough, I thought, to make him still seem perilous and a little scary. How embarrassing for those cultists to make that mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that that was a little... I'm unsure about what the cultists were. Uh, They're just like acolytes of Morgoth or... Yeah, they're from Rune, which is like a um, kingdom to the far east. It's where some of the, I think it's where a lot of the Easterlings come from later in, mm-hmm. in the like Lord of the Rings. Are they just uh, super into Morgoth or? Yeah, they had a lot of like sorcery cults and things. Cool. But they <laughs> so they're gone they just... now, right? They're they're just like they burst into flame and then they turned into ghosts and then they disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what exactly uh, the Istar did to them, you know, precisely. But yeah, he basically like I guess turned them into spirits and then exploded them into moths. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I couldn't tell if they were always, like, were they supposed to be wraiths like that? Or, yeah, did he turn them into it? Like, I couldn't tell if he was revealing their full nature, their true nature. I don't or... know, because, like, with... So, the the way that the, the wraiths work, like the Nazgul, for example, is that, like, creatures in, in Middle-earth have, like, a spirits a spirit self that exists in the Unseen world and then they have like their physical self and elves for example like galadriel who saw the trees are special because they exist in both at the same time Mm. whereas like the nazgul what the rings that they got did to them is that they slowly like siphoned their being into the unseen world which is why they're invisible other than like the you know robes and things that they're wearing um but when Frodo puts the ring on, he sees them in their like ghostly form because he shifts into the unseen world when he puts right. the ring on. Um, so yeah, that was weird. It was like we were seeing their like unseen form. Like maybe by being like sorcery people, they have more presence in the unseen world mm. than most people would, which makes sense because that's where all the like magic stuff happens usually. That's cool. That's interesting. So I'd never really thought about like where magic comes from <laughs> in yeah. Tolkien's world. So, like, the way that I was thinking of it was it was almost like he, like, 
exposed their like souls or something and then rather than destroying them he like divided them up into a bunch of harmless little pieces that look like moths <laughs> i don't know maybe that's like nicer than just <laughs> obliterating them and maybe thousands of years from now one of those moths will come to gandalf's aid at the top of Orthanc. yeah and redeem itself yeah <laughs> i'm good now <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that whole sauron business i'll go get the eagles so i guess the the cultists just showed up saw the same evidence that we saw of like oh he landed in a crater and it kind of looked like an eye and the fire isn't hot must mm. be sauron <laughs> yeah so but but i guess they know that sauron is out there and they were just trying to find him the, I, the whole cultist thing i can't tell if i bought it in the end if it was just something to to be a red herring for us and help us like look over here and not at halbrand um but i I like well, I mean, it ties it into whatever they're going to do next, you know, with the stranger, because they're heading to Rune now. That's true, yeah. So it sort of ties it into to that whole storyline. So then we'll get to see more stuff about, like, these sorcerers and, you know, that sort of thing. Also, this was the second time that we heard about Rune, because earlier in the season, Muriel, as a joke, said that Elendil was a, um, you know, runic emperor or something, I think. <laughs> hmm. Huh. I want to say that that was what she that. said, unless unless I'm misremembering the earlier line. I didn't look it up, so it's <laughs> just off the top of my head. <laughs> well, I, I like all of the rune stuff and the fact that... so Okay, so now let's just stay on the stranger, I guess. Do you think that is Gandalf, or is it one of the blue wizards? Because I do like that kind of he had a mission, and it was to find those stars in the east. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's like all I know about the blue wizards is that they, their mission was to the East. If, if yeah. I yeah. So, I mean, it seems more like a blue wizard thing, but then he said the whole thing about follow your nose, which made me immediately think like, okay, I guess it's gotta be Gandalf now. Like he's literally saying the same things. Um, but uh, who knows? I mean, maybe, you know, that's like in the Wizards 101 book that they get before they leave the <laughs> Dying Lands. I don't know. <laughs> there are so many, like, little connections to Gandalf in this, like, turning them into moths. I was like, oh, yeah, Gandalf had that moth friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, that line. And just the fact that he likes the Harfoots and, like, makes this yeah. strong bond with Nori. Like, maybe that continues with yeah well and gandalf was famously like the only one of the wizards that ever really noticed the the hobbits he like he actually paid attention to what they were doing and didn't immediately disregard them mm-hmm. so it would make sense if that's partly because he has this sort of history with them that I, I thought that that i i assume that has to be gandalf because of that direct line it's like yeah that it could be part of the wizard's manual but I don't think they were going to include that line. They just come out with like the pull string lines Uh where it's like (laughs) they all have their set of lines that they always say. Always follow your nose. uh, You shall not pass. Yeah. (laughs) So, Uh, so does that, I, I, I think you said before that Gandalf supposed supposedly, or is supposed to not arrive in middle earth until like the third age. So how is that? working out for you i mean it's just it's a slight change it doesn't really matter that much because like we don't really know of anything that gandalf does in particular that's important until much later and so 
it's completely open for him to potentially have a you know more involved backstory. Yeah, the the one thing I was going to mention is the one thing that we do know that he does earlier is that when he first arrives in Middle Earth, he gets Narya from Sirden. Oh, he but gets that right away. <laughs> as soon as he arrives in Middle Earth, because Sirden was carrying it after mm-hmm. the Last Alliance, uh, mm-hmm. because Gilgalad. Uh, Gilgalad had two of them and Galadriel had one of them and before the battle at the Last Alliance Gilgalad had the foresight to give those two rings that he was carrying to someone else because there was a good chance that he would get destroyed by Sauron (laughs) so he gives one to Elrond and one to Círdan Um, and then when Gandalf arrives Círdan who's like extremely wise because he's possibly one of the oldest people in Middle-earth just kind of has the foresight to know that Gandalf could make better use of the ring than he could. And so he gives it to him. I like the idea that Gandalf arrived like the stranger though, and Mm -hmm. had no idea who he was and was just kind of like bumbling around and they're like, here you go. Ring of power off you. Uh, Like have fun. (laughs) Yeah. He gets there and doesn't know who he is. And then some elf with a beard gives him a ring. (laughs) Is is Narya the name of his ring? Is is that the red one? That's the red one. Yeah. The the Ruby ring, the ring of fire. Uh, Ninya is Galadriel's and uh, Vilia. Vilia is that that winds up with Elrond in the end. Uh, yeah. We're okay. We're getting a little off track of where I wanted, but now I have this question. So Gilgalad <laughs> was given two rings from the start. It, in the books, he was carrying two of them, but uh, like Celebrimbor gave two of them to High King Gilgalad, and then gave one to Galadriel. Okay, just like because Galadriel made the big deal, which I, I liked. Of we have to make three. Because mm-hmm. one will corrupt, two will divide. With three, there's balance. But I, yeah, I like that. In the books, there wasn't really a reason why they made three for the elves. It just was what they did. Yeah, she just but, like, but it's like, but then if you give two of them to one person, it's like that defeats the purpose. Mm-hmm. But I, I imagine they will not do that. Um, yeah, well, plus they had all three of them just like standing there while they were making the rings. So I have a feeling they're going to divide them out between. Gilgalad, Elrond, and Galadriel. Yeah, and I wonder um, if even Galadriel will take one from the start. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> Gilgalad's probably still pissed off at her, so... I mean, they may also not give one to Elrond because he's not even an elf lord, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, some, Unless they decide to raise his station a little bit and give him a ring, too. Well, before we get too far off of the stranger, uh, or the wizard as I guess we can call him, probably Gandalf. I, I I do, I really like, yeah, the idea that he spent all that time with the Harfoots and that's why he has such a connection to the halflings. I also loved the scene when he just says like, I'm good. And I yeah, <laughs> like, I, I thought gonna he was going to say his too. name. Yeah. But just like him deciding that he's going to be good. And one well, was a cool callback to what Nori said earlier, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That was and such I, a cool I, moment. I like that he finally was like, get away from me because I'm going to hurt you with my magic. Like, just give me some space. That's all mm-hmm. he's ever needed. Yeah. I'm about to do something scary. Move 10 feet that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, I was I was sad about Sadok. Uh, yeah. And I was like, would Gandalf you got to have, have some had... cool moments, though. Like yeah. when he jumped out of the bushes and stabbed that one cultist. That was so <laughs> cool. In the foot, yeah. <laughs> Would Gandalf have had like, any uh, healing powers, or did he use all of his strength to turn everyone into moths? Um, I mean, there's not a lot of examples that, that I can think of off the top of my head of Gandalf like 
healing anyone from like a mortal wound or anything mm. like that. Um, I don't, I mean, there's like elvish medicine, right? And right. like Elrond is an accomplished healer in like Lord of the Rings. They take Frodo to Elrond. Um, but that's kind of different. That's not really like the same kind of magic that like the wizards do. Okay. I don't, I don't know that they ever really like heal people from injuries like that. Okay. I but loved... I mean, he heals his arm with ice or whatever earlier, oh, yeah. but, but that wasn't like the same thing as getting stabbed with a right. throwing moon or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? I loved uh, just no, nothing does a better job at like taking someone down a notch than just getting hit, hit in the head with a bunch of small rocks. <laughs> like, oh yeah. She was like all powerful with her staff and everything. And it was just like, dunk, dunk. And like, I loved that. <laughs> Yeah, it's the hottest like, thing ah. to do. <laughs> yeah. Anybody happy. that's played Battle for Middle Earth knows that the hobbits can throw rocks like nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Elf with the the snowballs. They're like really yeah. accurate. Basically, yeah, that's all they got. <laughs> they know one thing, and it's how to pick up rocks and throw them. Except for Sadik, who was hilariously terrifying when he jumped out of the bush and stabbed that person in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> That I, was I love one moment to shine. Them using like their camouflage and having their little mm -hmm. bird whistles. Uh, th that was all cool stuff. Well, the thing that I liked about that was that it immediately made me think of like at the very beginning of the show when we saw those humans that were like scared of the Harfoots and they were like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. they're like little monsters that'll like appear out of nowhere. That's it's like true. he like appears out of nowhere and is just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that could actually be terrifying. That tracks, if someone yeah. Someone somehow got on the wrong side of the Harfoots or was danger a danger to them. Sadok <laughs> is a serial killer and we just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let's let's jump over since we got confirmation that uh, the stranger isn't is a wizard, and we went over to Halbrand and we got. Uh, I I was a little annoyed that Alden and uh, Rachel put those thoughts into my head when I was on Casterly Talk. That the second he walked into the forge with Celebrimbor and he was just like, "Have you tried this?" I was I think I just screamed, "Uh huh!" Like mm -hmm. like yeah, you're here to help. Okay. Fine. Yeah, but also when he like walked into the forge, seemingly unharmed after being like near death, we rode for six days without resting, yeah. and this dude got stabbed. I was like, oh man. Mm -hmm. Well, and then yeah, when he said it, so we call it a better. gift. I was like, yep, all right, yeah. <laughs> fine. <laughs> I was like, kind of frustrated because Celebrimbor is supposed to be like this masterful, like. Uh, specialist at what he does like knows all about alloys and stuff and that he had never thought to do that or like he was kind of like oh yeah that's a good idea i should try that and i was like really well i mean partly it's because what he's trying to do is tampering with like the unseen world and like magic stuff you know and so while he probably was like oh yeah that alloy would work as an as a metal he probably wasn't thinking about oh that would make them like magic properties of mithril better mm. um so was this all kind of like new territory for him working mm -hmm. and with magic and stuff yeah so like the way that i kind of think of it is like celebrimbor was a comp uh, an accomplished craftsman but he didn't really know anything near how much sauron knows about magic <laughs> the, yeah. the leonardo dicaprio <laughs> point <Yeah>. meme <laughs> mm -hmm. celebrimbor so, just came off as like such a such a 
dummy in this episode to me because like he he gets the idea and then he's like obsessed with it and he's like i'm gonna do this and i I don't know i was like well that's something i wanted to bring up to ashton because i saw on reddit someone made a really good point of we we've never seen this story play out in specifics and it's kind of a an impossible task almost when you read the second read about the second age and it just kind of says, and then Sauron shows up and deceives them. And that's all the detail we get. So now we have to, yeah, find a way to try to make the deception believable. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that has to be hard where, where Tolkien was just like, eh, yeah. And then they're, they're deceived, they're tricked, but how? So yeah. do, do you think that worked out in a satisfying way? Yeah, I think so. And it and it also actually like ties in with everything we've seen in the series so far, where we knew that Sauron was ex- like experimenting with the like old magic, you know, and trying to um you know, discover ways to to do whatever it was he was trying to do, but he was like experimenting with with the unseen world. And then it's like, okay, he actually figured some things out, and now he's coming back to Aregion and basically tricking the elves into actually using that knowledge that he uncovered. And it makes it make sense that Celebrimbor didn't know that because it was like deep knowledge that Sauron didn't even really just know. He had to experiment and, you know, figure it out. So, so. is that kind of, where has he been for however long? What Was he just traveling around trying to... I guess. I mean, all, all we know is that he went to the north with a bunch of orcs and then shows up as Halbrand in that weird flotilla of people. <laughs> yeah, he was But like, I guess at some point he ended up in the Southlands and did something with Adar. Um, we don't know where Adar is either. Like, we haven't seen him since mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, since Aradrin blew up. I mean, presumably he was just in a house that got burned down or something, but who knows? I mean, he might still be around now, too. Oh, he, he was at the, the very end of episode six. Was he? Or seven. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Because then they have the whole thing with the Southlands turning into Mordor, and he was sitting yeah. there. So he's right. alive, right. and yeah, I, I, there. I I think we're going to get more. I Like, looking back at that moment of Halbrand attacking Adar and being like, do you remember me? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's probably true that Adar attacked Sauron and yeah. hurt him. So mm-hmm. that might be, like, number one on Sauron's to-do list for season two. <laughs> it's like, mm. kill Adar. Well, and, I mean, maybe we might get... a like a flashback kind of thing of what actually happened between them, because that may have actually just been his idea in the first place, you know, like to trick Adar into thinking that he was dead for some reason, you know? Um, so. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to, I I wonder if we're going to figure out, yeah, how he got onto that flotilla. Was he, was that all a ploy? Did he know Galadriel was going off on the, on the boat and maybe he's like, I'll just try to, find her or mm-hmm. I, I wonder what that's all about <laughs> also all those people on the flotilla that he just immediately sacrificed uh-huh. to the giant <laughs> fish dragon he's like grogu <laughs> he needed a nap <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and now i rest mm-hmm. <laughs> so do, do you think he is being genuine when he says he wants to heal middle earth and what is well i think his idea of healing middle earth and bringing peace to middle earth is to bring it all under his control. Uh-huh. Which I, I really, really liked 
I guess now we're going to get into that scene where he reveals himself to Galadriel. I thought yeah. that scene was awesome. Uh, Their conversation was so cool. And like you said that there was a bunch of similar lines to what she says in the Peter Jackson films when she like, he's like, I, I could have been a queen, you know? I think they're from the book as well. Uh, but yeah, yeah him telling her, uh, you can be as treacherous as the sea, stronger than the foundations of the earth in, in place of a, or you'd be my queen alongside mm -hmm. me. Like all of those lines. Again, it makes that scene in Fellowship so much better, yeah. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And you, I feel like she thought about it for a second. She was like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe. <laughs> well, that like, it, it, it reminded me so much of The Last Jedi uh, when uh, Snoke is dead and they fight off the Praetorian guards, and then uh, Kylo Ren says, Ray, join me, and we can heal the galaxy by ruling it. We can make it what we want it to be. That's exactly the same vibe that I got. And, and yeah, I loved that line where she said, like, do you want to heal Middle Earth or rule it? And he was like, I don't see a difference. I was like, that's, that's good. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring this up. Super chat from Tom Strand. Maybe Sauron came down like Gandalf and landed in water, and that's why the cultists thought str the stranger was Sauron. Alex, you mentioned something about like when we first saw the meteors, like a bunch oh. of different characters saw a meteor, and you were like, maybe there were different ones. Well, that's because I think it shows five different people watching the meteor. Mm -hmm. And they're all over the place. They're all in different areas. So I think Gilgalad sees one. Obviously, the Harfoots see one. Bronwyn sees one. Uh, we see him five times. So basically, I'm not saying that one of them was Sauron, but I wonder if all five of the wizards were sent out. Hmm. And then we just followed one of them. That would be interesting if it wasn't actually just different people seeing it as it went across all the way across the sky. But yeah. if it was actually five different ones that landed in different places. Like I, I kind of think they were meant to just show like, Oh, everyone saw the same meteor, but mm -hmm. it would be neat if did all the wizards come out at the same time in the books or. So there's, there's basically two different versions of it. And in one version, all five of the wizards are sent out at the same time. Um, and in the other version, the two blue wizards are sent ahead of the other wizards. Mm, okay. Um, and then they go in, into the east and do whatever their mission is, and we never hear from them again. And then the other three show up together, Radagast, Gandalf, and Saruman. Hmm. Um, and in those versions, they just arrive in a boat from the un Undying Lands um, <laughs> in the Grey Havens. Okay. But, um, you know... Uh, this would be this would be different, but I mean the the only the only importance to the difference would be that we would need another uh, avenue for Gandalf to end up with uh, Narya because mm. they don't really do okay. anything else at the Grey Havens. They just show up there. They're like we're wizards, and then they <laughs> leave. Okay, so like all of them show up, and Sirdan is like, "Here's a ring for you, and the rest of you, yeah, uh, be gone." <laughs> well, so Sirdan is is known for being extremely wise um it's like his thing like he's one of the elves that's <laughs> old enough that he might have been one of the original elves that didn't even have parents like he just woke up 
Um, okay. He's 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 so old that he's also the only elf that's ever described as having a big beard. Like he has a big long oh, yeah. gray beard as an mm. elf. So hmm. um, he's known for being extremely wise. And when the wizards arrive, Saruman is in in charge. Like he's the leader of their order. But he noticed, like, he can see that Gandalf is the one that's actually, like, the wisest among them, and that he's going to do, like, important things. And so he gives him the ring in secret. Was Saruman just like, this is bullshit? I don't think Saruman <laughs> knew. I think that he managed to give it to him, okay. like, secretly. I'm gonna go do be we, evil. Yeah. Do we know how Gandalf gets his staff? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think he just made it like, and he's just like, you know, a gnarled little piece of wood. I think he made that staff out of, you know, something. And then Saruman yeah. probably made his out of metal. Um, which makes just, sense. Oh, that's cool. I, I like that. I think it would be cool if we saw the stranger make his staff in the next season. Mm -hmm. I hope he gets a name so we don't have yeah. to keep calling him. Stranger. Now he's good. The wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am good. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and he all—he all of a sudden like is is really good at at talking now. Like he's finally caught on to the basic language. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, they said that they lifted the veil off of yeah. him. Like the cultists did that. So I mean, maybe oh, okay. that was what was kind of like holding him back. Yeah. This the whole time I've been like, oh my god, use your words. Like. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He but scares which, the heck out of Nori when he's yeah. trying to heal his arm and she gets some frostbite or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> which I still oh. think works really well with Gandalf the White returning and not remembering stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like there clearly is kind of a, when they transition from like the, uns, like completely the undying realm into Middle Earth, there's some kind of, you know, confusion. Yeah. At least <laughs> I love this co comparison. Uh, thanks, Brian, for uh, for the super chat. My only beef with the finale is that they forgot about poor Isildur under the rubble. He's like the Tolkien equivalent of Barb from Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know he's not dead, but I it's yeah. true. Like, no one but that horse cared yeah. to really look into whether or not he was actually dead. The horse is like, I know he's not dead. I'm out. Yeah. I, I did think that was interesting because even in the previously on uh, the rings of power, it showed him like falling under the rubble. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we're going to catch up with the sealed door. It was still important to know that because Ellen deal uh, and his scenes, but I, I thought for sure we would see a sealed door climbing out of the, the rubble and trying to start escaping Mordor or something. But it's interesting that they're going to hold on to that. I guess they they're allowed to, because again, we know, what mm -hmm. happens but uh i wanted to bring up this because just just because mm -hmm. i want to yell at alden alden and rachel were the people that put the halbrand thing in my mind and i'm <laughs> furious that you're correct you son of a bitch and i know <laughs> i know you broke ken's heart too <laughs> ken was oh, like I no that's not real that halbrand's just a good guy <laughs> I, I saw a lot of people online that were mad that like it seemed like there was some like potential romance between the two of them. I didn't really get that feeling. He was just kind of like, yeah, you can rule with me. I mean, I'm fine with it. Like it, it, I thought it was actually cool that Sauron attempted to, to do that because it would have actually been really good for him if he had Galadriel on his side 
And also there's precedent for that. Like um, um, the king of Doriath was like Melian was his wife and she was a Maiar. Like there's a, there's a already a perfectly good example in the Silmarillion of an elf and a Maiar um, being married and ruling a kingdom together <laughs> and it being really, um, you know, beneficial for them. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I agree okay. with this. Yeah. But I, I think that there was a connection. I mean, mm-hmm. they, again, in the, the in the previously on, they cut back to episode six where they talked about fighting side by side. And they were like, yeah, I felt a connection with you. And maybe it was just that they they have a similar energy, a similar ultimate goal, I guess, <laughs> if, if you squint your eyes. But Well, and at the time, I kind of rolled my eyes about the like, are they going for like a weird like love interest thing with Galadriel? But that was when I thought Hellbrand was just a dude. And when I was like, what's the deal with Celeborn? And then they co- sort of answered both of those things. I mean, we still don't know exactly what the deal is with Celeborn, but we know that Galadriel thinks that he's dead. Um, so I don't know. I think it's actually kind of an interesting avenue to explore if Sauron was trying to really like corrupt Galadriel to his side. Um, yeah, I get. Oh, I, this is how Gandalf gets his staff. <laughs> Thanks, Tom Strand, for another super <laughs> chat. The Harfoots put a lizard up Gandalf's nose, and he went off and pulled a branch off of an int. That's his staff. I love That's that. Like, that would be painful for an int. I feel like. Where are the ints? Also, what happens to the lizard? It, it, it comes eventually back comes back out and goes back okay. into its little basket. <laughs> uh. That we did see an int in episode one, I think briefly. It was when the meteor flew over. Oh right, yeah, because that was in the trailer, and everybody was like ints, and then they they didn't come up at all. <laughs> They're around. I bet we'll see him at some point. I hope so. I think mm-hmm. it would be f- fitting for the stranger and Nori to like run into one because I feel like that would be a fun little trio. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if they really wanted to make all of the like. Um, you know, Tolkien fans squeal, they could have them actually meet int wives instead of just ints. Mm, On their yeah. way to being lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, because the one of the prevailing theories is that the int wives lived in what eventually becomes the brown lands, which didn't become the brown lands until Sauron was already in Mordor and there was like a big battle that sort of devastated that area. So it's possible that at this point in Middle Earth's history, the end wives are still around somewhere. Cool. Is that in the east where where they're headed? Sort of, yeah. I don't like the name the Brown Lands, but well, that's because <laughs> afterwards they were just brown and desolate. <laughs> oh man, this just popped into my head. Uh, completely <clears throat> unrelated, but with Mordor, so obviously the Dead Marshes are not a thing yet. Uh, but is like the Emin Mawil is all that stuff just part of the natural <laughs> geography topography or does that well, come up later so the like the swamps aren't there yet at this point they would probably probably be some kind of <laughs> some kind of like <laughs> grasslands or something you know before they get trampled and turned uh. into a bog um but th- i mean i guess that the you know razor sharp rocks and all that sort of stuff is probably there at this point um so I guess that's okay. just naturally there. It, it makes sense, but I was just 
What is that? I was curious about that. That's where Frodo and Sam are kind of lost at the beginning of the two towers and where they meet Gollum. Yeah, when they like lasso Gollum and pull him off of a small cliff. Like oh. that area is <laughs> wheel. <laughs> and then the what did you call it? The the dead marshes. The dead marshes, yeah. Yeah. That was like one of my favorite things from those movies because I just thought it was so cool and creepy. Mm-hmm. It's super spooky. It reminded me of Poltergeist, and that's probably why I liked it so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, like to, to go back to Sauron after I took us off track. Uh, I, I think that the, the romance side of things, I do think they were trying to build up a connection, but I think it was more just to make that betrayal for Galadriel feel uh, that much worse. Mm-hmm. That, that's how yeah. I read into it. I don't think that there's going to be some what five season long will they won't they <laughs> between Galadriel <laughs> and Sauron. Well, I'm I'm I am curious what they're gonna do with Galadriel and Sauron though, because there seems to be an indication that like Galadriel knows that Halbrand is Sauron, mm-hmm. but she doesn't necessarily want to tell everyone that because it's kind of her fault mm-hmm. that he is alive. <laughs> you and could she's you could probably definitely upset about that but at the same time doesn't want everyone to know that it's her fault, I guess. So there'll be an interesting, like, does she tell everyone or not? Sort of. Um, and Elrond seemed to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, Sauron says as much, too. He's like, if you go and tell them, oh, yeah, yeah. they're probably not going to forgive you. And you can kind of see it on her face when they when she goes to suggest a third ring. She's like, yeah, trust, trust me on this. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Elrond might just think that, like, Halbrand's not a good guy or not someone that they should mm. trust. He might not sure. know that it's Sauron. Yeah. He just, he knows that there's something up, I guess, because he found mm-hmm. that scroll and knew that uh, something was wrong. But yeah. So so does does that all fit with the three rings being made kind of outside of Sauron's influence? but still um, with the skills that he provided sort of i mean the, the the biggest question i have is where the other rings are going to come in because basically in the books what happens is anatar halbrand in this situation shows up kind of teaches the elves of Aregion some of the secrets to make to to ring lore and making rings of power um, and then they make a bunch of rings of power. Some of them are minor rings that never even matter. It'll be like a ring of good luck or a ring of tying your shoes or something. Like toe and rings. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then like, but then they make the, the major rings of power, which are the seven that end up with the dwarves, the nine that end up with the Nazgul. And then they, and then because Galadriel and Gilgalad both distrusted Anatar. They convince Celebrimbor to make three rings completely without his knowledge, without him even knowing that they made them, and without his influence that are the three elven rings. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the show, they're doing it a little bit different. We haven't really seen any of the other rings. We just saw these three. But it seems like they did make them without Halbrand being around. So it's possible yeah. that the nine and the seven might have already been made like when they were practicing yeah. you know or something like when they were figuring out the process before they made the actual mithril ones I don't know. when okay when galadriel says that line of like i think it's her that says it that these can only be for the elves 
and the camera goes straight to Elrond, and you can just see it all over his face, like, oh, I'm telling my best friend. Yeah. The, the, the dwarf. <laughs> getting a ring. Yeah. yeah. I, I sent uh, Ashton a, a TikTok the other day of, like, it was every, everyone's fighting for their lives constantly in the rings of power. And then we cut to Elrond and Durin just like sharing wine and partying the whole series. Just, <laughs> just love that for them. Just well, paint each other's nails. And... I mean, it's also an interesting thing that like that might become a big theme going forward because presumably Durin, Elrond's friend or his father, one of the two, is going to get one of the seven mm-hmm. dwarvish rings. And if Elrond already distrusts Halbrand, and Halbrand is involved in making those seven rings, then Elrond's going to have some strong opinions about them actually taking it. Yeah. So real quick. Oh, no, go ahead. I, uh, I have questions with... about the rings, but we, we can. Yeah. Since we're talking about Halbrand, uh, Brian Ferreira, thanks for the super chat. I saw a similarity between Halbrand and Farazan in separate episodes, how they won over a crowd and bought them drinks. Coincidence mm. or suspicious? Well, I mean, I think that it's just two different characters that are, um, you know, manipulating people. Because Farazan, if you've read the books, you know that Farazan doesn't, uh, isn't, well, he's not, <laughs> he has he has his own best interests in mind without spoiling Well, I, I think that's a, that's a fun way of foreshadowing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like knowing vaguely what happens. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that does seem purposeful in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, Bakey <laughs> sent in a super chat. Does does the general divergence from the lore impact your enjoyment of the series? Not for me, really. I mean i I enjoy the the story from the books, but I feel like there's enough holes in the story that they're just filling with details. Um, and then where it does diverge, I think it's just them finding ways to tell the story in the you know TV show medium. Um, and get around like, you know, production problems, like having to recast human characters constantly, that sort of thing. Um, and then other than that, like, I'm kind of glad that Halbrand's character's name wasn't Anatar from the beginning because sure. it would have, I would have been like, Oh, well, uh, we know who that is, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and who knows, maybe Halbrand disappears and then some Anatar guy shows up and then, you know, I mean, we don't know what they're going to do in the next season, but he could shape shift as- into Anatar and just like just be like now my name's Anatar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then but, they don't recognize him. But yeah, the things that they're di- like the actual divergences, I think they've actually kept them pretty like to a minimum. I mean, there's a lot of things that we're getting that are details that we didn't have before. Um, but I like those things. So yeah, it, well, I, I don't think it's really affected my enjoyment I, of it. I mean, I know the second age just doesn't have much detail to it in the first place. There's also, like you say, there's just things that when you're doing an adaptation, they have to be changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, e- even with the Lord of the Rings films, like I think they're widely celebrated now for good reason. They're amazing. Uh, but as l- things are going to have to change as long as they keep to the spirit of what Tolkien wanted to say. I, I think that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think they've done that so far. I again, I'm not super well versed in all the Tolkien stuff, but like all of the the lore divergences, I don't notice them, and it it makes me think of uh, 
people who don't notice that stuff in Star Wars because like I notice all of the lore divergences, but really <laughs> like the super, super die hard, like I know everything about this thing, people, uh, they're not the target audience for the show. Like they're trying to ease people into the world and yeah, this... ho hopefully they read the books and stuff down the line. The way this season ended was like perfect for me. I was like, I get all of this. The rings are here now. The we have the show name thing now. Like uh, Sauron's here now. Like it all kind of made sense to me in a very comforting way. So as someone who doesn't really know the lore that well, I thought it was great. Well, and, and also, I mean, the original trilogy, like the the Peter Jackson trilogy, um, it had divergences from the lore too, you right. know, and uh, I think that those were, for the most part, better for the, you know, it made the movies more enjoyable, you know, like the elves showing up at um, Helm's Deep instead of it being Elrond's sons because they weren't cast in the movie. Um, like there's things like that that, they did that because they didn't want the cast of characters to, like, there were, there were production reasons for why they did it that way. And I think that it turned out fine. So I guess a combination of that <clears throat> and also having a frame of reference of it could be much worse as far as <laughs> their treatment of the source material, you know, like anybody who's seen the wheel of time show knows that like they could have definitely thrown out much more of the original source material um, than they did. And I think that, I think they did a great job with it. So That's where is like, Tom Bombadil? Yeah. What I want to know. <laughs> uh, like, like I, I don't know anything about the wheel of time. I haven't read those books either. So watching that, I was just like, yeah, this is good. Like I, <laughs> I liked rings of power more, but, uh, <laughs> Ashton and I have had talks about <laughs> how, <laughs> how those adaptations have not lived up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one. Is, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I won't get into it too much, but yeah, I have no idea what, how they're supposed to do any of the future books with any of the future seasons of that show <laughs> at all. Well, just wait until season two of Rings of Power when we get sexy Shelob and then oh, we'll, no. we'll revisit. <laughs> I got to find a way to bring that up every, every episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So something I wanted to ask, I, I see that, uh, Tom Strand sent another super chat, but when we were talking about the rings of power, I wanted to ask what is the purpose of the rings, especially the three, is it to kind of sustain uh, the elves at this time? Well, I mean, we don't really have any, um, like, it seems like kind of a, a show invention. Um, the whole thing about the elves waning and needing to leave middle earth. If they, if they didn't find some solution, but at the same time, it does actually kind of match up with, with what's in the books, where we kind of have a situation where in Middle-earth, the time of the elves is, is over, and mm -hmm. like the Age of Men is starting, and they're leaving Middle-earth because they're, um, for whatever reason, their kingdoms and their works are all kind of like fading. Mm -hmm. And so... We do kind of have that in, in the original Lord of the Rings. It just wasn't ever really explained specifically why that was a thing. And yeah, in the in the original books, the, the rings do exactly that. Like the fact that Galadriel has um, her ring in Lothlorien is why Lothlorien is like this 
old age style elven kingdom with these cool. giant trees and like all of this stuff. Like as soon as her ring loses its power, those trees start to kind of like go away. The huh. those Melorn trees stop growing properly and eventually they just, you know, fade away. So that is the thing in the books too, that the the rings being carried by Elrond, Galadriel, and Cirden um did kind of keep their uh elven kingdoms um you know vibrant cool. and alive. Huh. Why no ring for Thranduil? <laughs> well Thranduil, yeah, he wasn't really in the in crowd with those people. Like he was a <laughs> wood elf, you know. <laughs> he gets a sick crown. It's fine. Uh huh. Yeah, and he has a cool like elk friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned the seven and the nine. So uh, it's just what is the purpose of the rings of power, especially like now I, I I don't understand what the dwarves need them for and what the men need them for. Like, what do they, do, do so, they amplify? So we don't really or? know exactly what the purpose of the rings would have been. I mean, it kind of actually thinking about it right now, it kind of makes sense that if they were like practice versions for the three rings that they actually made, but it was while Halbrand was still there. So he was kind of telling them, throw this in there, do that this way so that it would actually serve the purpose he had in mind, which was mm. that they would be controlled by the one ring. Yeah. Um, because the, the idea for South, but, the reason it makes sense before I get to what they actually did, the reason it makes sense is that its effect on men is that it drew them into the unseen world very, very powerfully. So for elves, it, the idea of it strengthening their sort of spiritual self kind of makes sense. It's just that with men, it's strengthening a spiritual self that they don't have. So it's actually uh, siphoning them into that spirit world. Um, and, they, and they felt left out. Yeah, <laughs> also that. But the but what it ended up actually doing and what Sauron's corruption and his hand in the process achieved is that the, though they did that, they also tied um, the bearer to the One Ring and made their will subservient to to Sauron's. Over time, mm. they like became more and more uh, under his thrall. So did they? Did they also make you live longer? Um. I don't think so, but it, it basically just turned them into spirits. So they didn't really have like a, you know, die of old age. By the time they would get that old, they would have gotten completely transformed into like a ghost, you know? Um, That's like eternity of a sense. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> um, but the idea to answer your question about the seven though, I don't, from what I understand, they were basically the same types of rings. Like the magic that they had on them was the same and Sauron intended them to work the same. But because dwarves are made by Aule and they like actually physiologically function differently than elves and humans, it just didn't work on them. Oh, and all cool. it did was make it, it amplified their worst qualities, but it didn't mm. turn them into Nazgul and it didn't make them actually um, subservient to Sauron. They were too stubborn <laughs> for that. Hmm. That's, I, I feel like I, I like the idea that the seven and the nine could just be uh, we tried and we failed, uh, mm. but here have these rings. Uh, but I, I feel like we would have seen that or had some allusion to that, that it's like, well, we have these 16 rings lying around. Well, what we might end up seeing is that like <laughs> while Halbrand was there, <laughs> what we might end up seeing is that while Halbrand was there, they 
made some like mock-ups of what the rings were going to be like and that they had some magical mm. properties. They were just lower power versions of it because they didn't have as much mithril in them. And then maybe we find out, and Hal Brand stole them before he left Aregion, mm. before he disappeared. And now people are like, where'd they go? Yeah. You know. And how many of them were there? Oh, there were 16 of them. Bum, bum, bum. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I had to bring uh, this up because yeah. uh, sexy she love, sexy she love. She's got legs for days, literally. <laughs> 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 yeah yes. that that video game is just <laughs> it's a fun game but its story doesn't make any sense uh we, we haven't answered this one yet i don't think uh thanks tom apart from the lord of the rings and i i would say the silmarillion i guess uh what other tolkien works would you recommend reading um so if you want to know more about how the world functions don't play shadows of mordor <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun game oh wait i haven't uh, played that one wait no i did play shadow of mordor not shadow of war it's a fun it's a fun video game but it doesn't make any sense with the lore but um to answer your actual question though the the main thing is the silmarillion that's a great um a, a good read for someone that just wants to understand the setting more it is kind of like reading a textbook like a history book so it can be kind of dry at times and sometimes it can be extremely sort of like abstract with the creation myth and stuff it can be hard to get through that for the first time oh so um they clarified big three meaning lord of the rings hobbit and silver oh oh yeah okay well other than that i mean there's like children of Hurin is great like um the things that christopher tolkien edited to to get it to publication are pretty much all great and there's collections of tolkien's notes if you want to see like other things that he um you know, that he wrote but didn't necessarily publish or didn't decide to go that way. Like, all the different ideas that he had for where orcs come from, for example, are found in his notes. And so you can get, like, unfinished tales and lays of Beleriand and things like that. The, But, I mean, the, really, the Silmarillion, Lord of the Rings, and The Hobbit are, are the main, like, canon things. So, um, yeah. Cool. Children Fan of Urine is great, though. I definitely would recommend that. I haven't read that. And I, like, that's an actual story, right? Like it was told in the Silmarillion, but then they expanded it out. And Yeah. The, like basically Christopher Tolkien took his father's notes and fleshed out what was already in the Silmarillion of that section of the history and made it into its own novel. So. Nice. Uh, Simon Rodriguez. Thanks for the super chat. I think the purpose of the rings is to corrupt the elves without spoiling too much. I think all the rings were initially meant for the elves. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. I think that the idea that Sauron originally had was that if they hadn't figured out who he was, then he would have left the rings with the elves. Important elves would have worn them and then slowly become under his sway. And they mm. wouldn't have turned into ghosts probably because that's the thing that was unique to humans wearing them. Mm. Um, so he would have just had a bunch of powerful, influential elves that he could control. Cool. Um, but then that when they sense. found out who Anatar was then they all got rid of their rings and wouldn't put them on except for the three secret ones. And so his plan to corrupt the elves would have been completely foiled at that point. So instead he steals the rings and then gives them out to human and dwarves. Huh. Okay. That, okay. Now I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see how they do the other rings for everyone else. That's interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see if like, if Elrond already knows that, the rings are are bad news 
how it's going to happen when his friend or his friend's father is wearing this magical ring in cause of doom, you know? Huh? So that's cool. I, I, I like that. I didn't know that about the, who's writing this. Oh yeah. I remember I heard about that. I'm not sure. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, Tolkien um, notes thrown together into a story I'm assuming, but yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I don't know who the author is though. Because Christopher then, Tolkien did uh, Children of Hearing in the Fall of Gondolin. I think they also published that. Hmm. And, and it so it's, Tolkien but is Christopher it? Tolkien still around? No, um, he died a few okay. years ago. Okay, so now Simon Simon Tolkien is kind of the main person. He's the one in the credits. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, he's probably the person that controls the Tolkien estate, I guess. But Christopher Tolkien um, didn't finish the writing because he... He had a very like um he had a very high respect for his father's work and he didn't want to uh treat it the same way that like Dune was treated. Um but um but he was willing to like take the notes, put them edit them into a like publishable form and then release mm-hmm. that. But he wasn't really I don't think he was really interested in adding to the story uh himself. Mm-hmm. That's like way, way too much pressure for oh, yeah. someone's children to like, I, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Cause like, if you pissed off the fan base, they would mm-hmm. never let you live that down. Well, he I mean, was I don't, a super purist about it too. Like reportedly he really didn't like the Peter Jackson movies either because they yeah. changed too many things. Mm. So. I don't know much about Dune, but I, I think if you look at Brian Herbert, like people, I don't think the fans like his works as much <laughs> by and large yeah that would be that would be true <laughs> but that's outside of my knowledge completely <laughs> um i i think I, I guess just to wrap up uh how did you feel about the season as a whole now that it's over and done with a fifth of the story i guess has been told uh how would you rank it among your other tolkien experiences I thought it was great. I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I mean, there were a lot of points in the in the show where I... The only things that bummed me out as far as changes that they made was when I felt like they were making a big shortcut that was going to cut out a bunch of the story because there were things that I wanted to see on screen. But whenever that happened... Is there an example of that? Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there were some moments watching the show where that happened, I remember. And every time that happened, though, like the next episode or the episode after that would happen, and I would realize, oh, they're not doing the shortcut I thought they were doing. Okay. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not really worried about that sort of thing. And I, I'm, I'm very excited about seeing the rest of the show and see what they do with it. Molly, how did you feel? I, I loved it. No complaints, <laughs> except <laughs> I wanted more ints. Mm. Well, hopefully, we'll get more. I, I want it wives. I think that would. Yeah, be cool. I, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, and <laughs> something someone, we've never seen before. Someone earlier mentioned the fact that like Sauron can shapeshift. With all the money that they're funneling into this show, I want to see some more like cool magicy stuff. The the when the stranger turned those cultists into moths, that was so cool. So like, I just want to see more magic stuff too. Mm-hmm. Well, in the way that they've done all of the effects, like the CGI versus the practical effects, it's been so much better than the Hobbit movies were. 
and like so much more like the the quality the level of quality that and polish that we saw in the peter jackson movies that it's been really really nice to see that like all the orcs and everything like all those practical costumes have been so great the orcs were actually scary and not kind of like bumbling idiots Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've really enjoyed it too i think it took me a little while i feel like i was just skeptical of like i don't know if this is going to be as good as the jackson movies and i still prefer them but after episode six, especially, I was like, I'm, I really, really like it. Look forward well, to more. And I don't really, I don't really want to like compare them to the Peter Jackson yeah. movies either, because like the Peter Jackson, for one thing, it was an adaptation of a very specific story that already existed. So it's yeah. hard to really hold them to the same standards, but also watching this is making me appreciate some of the things in the Peter Jackson movies even more, mm-hmm. you know, like some of the details that they're adding to the story, make the things that happen later, uh, that it frames them in a different light, which is really cool. You know, it's, yeah. it's actually making the other one better in a way. <laughs> I, I think that's a great point that it's not like not to compare the the live action adaptations, but that they're, I think just Tolkien in general. Like if I go back and I read the mirror of Galadriel chapter, that alone, I'm going to have mm-hmm. more understanding of it. Uh, it's going to feel, it's going to hit different. And I like well, that and, a lot. And in so many different avenues. Also seeing like Casa Doom before it became a ruin. Mm-hmm. And like seeing the Balrog and like, you know, like things that end up popping up later in the story. It's really just, it's fun. Something that we didn't really touch on. Uh, what do you think is going to end up from the storyline about the Palantir? Because like the King's dead, right? They go back to, to Numenor and they they're flying the like black flags or whatever. So the king is dead. And then I forget her name, but like she goes, do you think she like looks into the Palantir and sees something crazy? Um, I don't know that. So that's Zildor's sister. That actually, that character is an invention for the show. She wasn't in the books um, mm-hmm. in the, in the books. He has another, he has a brother named Anari on which they, they mentioned him earlier in the show. I'm really curious what his, <clears throat> like what his, the status of that character is like they didn't say that he's dead they just said that he went west and so i'm curious if there's like a whole nother section of numenor that's kind of does things differently and like keeps to the old ways or something like that and they're going to show up later in the story like maybe they're going to come in in season two or something um and maybe that's like where the rest of the palantir are because they're supposed to have all of them yeah um and and yeah, it's really interesting that that one is like showing people visions of the fall of Numenor, and I'm curious how that plays out. I liked that we had that final scene with uh, Tar Palantir, and it was just like House of the Dragon. It's like with these old it dying was. kings, just pay attention to who they're talking to, please. And I didn't answer your question. I don't know if she actually ended up looking at the Palantir or not. That's actually in, like intriguing to think about. But she knows about this, like I guess, secret passage to that room that has um, Narsil and the Palantir and other relics up there. So somehow Elendil is going to end up with Narsil. Yeah. Um, and we now know that his daughter knows where it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad! I stole the sword. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, t- I guess for, for one more little wrap up question, we can talk about predictions for season two real quick, but I also wanted to say thanks Tom for, uh, two more super chats and yeah. What do you think the, the arc of season two might look like? Um, 
I think that season two, I think season two, we might find out what the deal is with the other rings, like where the nine and the seven are. Right. And then maybe have Sauron establishing himself in, in Mordor and may probably fighting with Adar. Yeah. That seems like an interesting conflict they've set up. Um, and then I think that we'll also have some storyline with Isildur and, and where he, wherever he's going to go. Um, I think later in the show, maybe not season two, we'll end up seeing, but maybe it is season two, we'll see Numenor return and fight with Sauron and take him prisoner back to Numenor before it actually collapses. Cool. You, you think, so you think he'll be captured by the end of season two? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think it would make sense for him to be captured in season two. He um, Numenor's fall happens in season three. Um, season four, he shows back up in Mordor, establishing his his dominance there. And then season five, we get the last alliance. Cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah that that makes sense. Yeah. Because um, we have to have a reason for Sauron to be stuck in his like Dark Lord form. So. Yeah. I think that he still does need to get captured by Numenor. I don't think that, well, he was in Numenor making swords for a minute counts. <laughs> so hopefully they still do the him getting uh, captured thing. Yeah, I think I they like, should. I like this idea. Since we were talking about sexy Shelob, uh, Subro sent in a super chat. I hope that since we have fair form Sauron, we get sexy Sauron. I mean, Halibran was sexy yeah what are you saying like Like, i thought we already got sexy sauron (laughs) also unlike a certain spider character he is a shapeshifter so it would make sense (laughs) he can be whatever he wants to be Uh, right now until until he gets crushed by the ocean (laughs) john snow rules thanks for the the super chat season two will release april april 24 i hope yeah Hopefully. Yeah, I think that would probably make sense. Like a year and a half between seasons. Um, it's it seems weird, like, like a lot for them to get done in a year. I mean, those episodes yeah. were all very long. It's interesting, the streaming kind of side of the uh, the industry now. Things don't come out exactly a year later the way that they used to on network television. Now it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, it'll come out when it comes out. <laughs> well, they don't have to, you know, because yeah, they're not yeah. part of a like syndicated, like the, the schedule is not really that important anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's fine. I just kind of like miss the being able to rely on that yearly kind of thing. But yeah. Oh, well. Uh, but that that's going to wrap it up for us today and for the Rings of Power until season two, hopefully before 2024. But who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so thanks, Ashton, for explaining Lord of the Rings to us. Uh, where can people follow you and watch your stuff online? Uh, so lately I've been working with some of our other friends on Slam Sector, where we're doing some Warhammer content, um, a lot of battle reports, uh, you know, and other other content related to Warhammer 40k mostly, but maybe we'll do some Warhammer fantasy stuff at some point also. But yeah, you can check all of that out at Slam Sector. Awesome. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday to talk about Andor Episode 7. And uh, we'll do a Lego stream, I'm sure, later this week. But that's that's what our streaming schedule looks like. So thank you all again for tuning in and watching and talking about Rings of Power with us. And uh, I, I forget every week to think up something different to say that's not made the force. I'm not you. doing it this time. 
fine. We can just do Namarie. <laughs> I am N- good. Namarie, yeah, that's good. Namarie, I am good. Lots of lots of stuff. No, we can go say. towards goodness. It's not. <laughs> oh wait, I am good. That's a different thing, right? Namarie means I am good. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see everybody.